Learn, experiment, achieve, and take off. We're anthropologists and social scientists who put leaders under the microscope. We are your eyes and ears to dig up the most valuable insights for success to help make you and your business better. We give you the tools to lead your future and help build leaders we all want to look up to. So, rise to your potential. Launch. Welcome. I'm Rebecca Bennett, your host. Welcome back to the pod. Today we'll be discussing how to lead through uncertain times through the lens of the 2020 COVID pandemic. Businesses and employees are having to pivot and adapt quickly because their livelihood depends on it. Never before have we seen society change so fast and move together in one direction. So far, we have seen many businesses go bankrupt and shut down, while others have created new offerings. It's fascinating to study why some businesses go one way while others go the other. But just because you have to shut your operations down doesn't mean it's the end. It's a new beginning for many. But how do you get there? How do you lead through such a devastating time? How do you set that new vision, that new future? And what will the future of work be like? In this episode, we explore those questions so that our launch listeners can find that new beginning for your businesses. On this episode, I handpicked four leaders who might have demonstrated great leadership qualities during these uncertain times and have successfully come up with a plan and pivoted their organizations in response. So today you will be hearing from Aaron Beck, CEO of Wana Family Networks, Afifa Sariki, CEO of Canadian Payroll Services, Elena Agaragimova, Managing Partner of Bessern, as well as Sean Bichelia, CEO of Curion, all of whom have been featured in previous episodes. At launch, our mission is to bring in leaders we believe in and demonstrate great qualities of leadership that you can be inspired by and learn from. These four leaders have shown bravery, resiliency, and strong leadership, something we could all use more of right now. And with that, let's turn to Aaron Beck's COVID leadership story first. As a refresher, we had CEO of Wana Family Networks, Aaron Beck, on a previous podcast. She and I met at the International Business Accelerator at USC back in the fall of 2019, while we were looking for global opportunities for our businesses. Wana Family Networks is a babysitting co-op startup that operates globally. And Aaron was one of the first businesses to successfully pivot at the onset of the global pandemic and demonstrate admirable leadership qualities in the process. So let's take a look at her journey and how she overcame the COVID challenge. Welcome back, Erin. Thank you so much, Rebecca. So let's talk about where you were pre-COVID. What did business look like then? And then we'll go into how you, we, you responded to COVID and after the fact. Sure. So when COVID started, we had enjoyed a very consistent year of organic user growth both on the new user side and on the traction side. We were seeing new groups of parents coming together every week to form their babysitting co-ops where they exchanged their care for free. Um, And we were just launching our first point purchase programs where we were allowing those parents who had run out of points to purchase affordable care hours back into the system. And we were launching our first point cash in campaigns where families who had volunteered a large amount of their time were offered ways to redeem their points for fun, family focused, kid forward rewards. So we were partnering with small parent and women owned businesses to get these really neat curated products out to families as a thank you for their volunteered time. These are programs that we had had on our mind for quite some time and we're thrilled to have the opportunity to really get those launched. That had just happened when the first lockdowns were happening for COVID. And when the first lockdowns were announced, we saw a surge through the platform. 
of new families coming in to say, I need care because my school has shut down. What can we do to facilitate this? And you, of course, it's these incredible parents who are self-organizing to solve what has become a very big problem. But on our side, we also saw another risk, which is that states were issuing stay-at-home orders and shelter-in-place orders. And we felt that it was very important that we let families know that use of our platform was not in accordance with what states were asking so many of us to do. And we actually asked families to stop swapping care. Mm -hmm. And they did. Um, It must have been a really hard decision to make. That was a hard decision to make. And it wasn't because there was a fear of loss of success or loss of traction within the business, because I didn't have any doubt that cooperative free and affordable care was something that families would need coming out on the other side of COVID. But it was more understanding that in the position we were serving tens of thousands of families, we had a responsibility to be the best stewards for them that we could. And it was so clear how many of those families were struggling and suffering with the threats of job loss, with the stresses of suddenly having a full household. And they needed, they needed care, but it, but it wasn't the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and making that sort of call to ask parents, no, really, please stay home, was a gut-wrenching decision. Mm-hmm. But the remarkable thing that came out of that was by being able to, we made that decision, we had that email out before the lockdowns had come out in most states. And within a couple of days, they had really settled across a majority of states. But we were out the gate really early with that. What that allowed us to do was to sit back as a team and take a pause and say, okay, we've asked everyone to stop for the time being. What do we offer in exchange? How do we fix this problem now that we know that what we offer right now isn't the solution? So what do we need to offer instead? And so within the next couple of days, we released new programs. And for the families at home, we talked about digital care breaks and digital play dates to keep kids socialized and to give parents half an hour to take a phone call or take a shower or do the dishes while another parent read their kid a book over FaceTime. And we introduced insulated care circles for essential workers because it turns out that a closed babysitting circle is an ideal insulated care network because you are creating a pod. And we all know about this now, but we didn't know about it at the time. You create a pod of families where you contain potential exposures within that pod. And when you do that for a workplace where you already have families who are going to work and sharing exposures in the workplace or parents who are going to work, if you can take those same relationships from the workplace and bring them home, then you are keeping potential exposures again within that pot between the household and the workplace. Mm -hmm. And we started serving these opportunities to healthcare centers and to universities. And we started bringing in volunteer parents who were not part of the essential worker force, but who were willing to volunteer to help those families. We were able to release those programs extremely quickly and efficiently because we made a firm decision to stop and take a pause. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as terrifying as it was to have to make that kind of top level decision so quickly, it really ended up being a long-term benefit. Once we had those programs ready, and could explain these are the these are the ways that you can use cooperative care in a successful way through COVID. Then those programs began to grow organically, and so we've now rolled out to employers that represent eighty thousand or more faculty and staff. We have a number. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to count them as quickly in my head, but we have we have a number of employers in the pipeline right now that we're looking to roll out within the next couple of months. And we've largely shifted our direct consumer focus 
to direct to business focus where we're helping employers get the programs in place that can help their working parents be able to come back to work, to be able to handle the now remote for many people 2020 school year. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really an incredible blessing to be in a position where we have a part to play. Because when you're in a situation like a global pandemic, what does everyone want? They want to help. They want to find a way to participate and to do something that has meaning. And we're very fortunate, I feel, that we have this small piece that we can play to be a part of getting parents relief from the new childcare burdens that they're carrying in their everyday life now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a way to pivot. I, I can imagine to be able, as a leader, to have the courage to essentially pull the plug on something you've worked so hard to build without yet knowing what you're going to do next is extremely courageous, but you knew it was the right thing to do. And then you use the opportunity of a, your team, which was now freed up to develop those opportunities and have the trust and faith in them to, to come up with those quickly and deploy those new programs. So that's, that's the first quality that I wanted to point out to our audience of an example of how a leader can be courageous and even in hard times still make those right decisions and having faith in their team to keep pushing the company forward. So Erin, we spoke about how you responded to COVID with your customers. And I've also seen quite a few communications come from you to them. I think communication is so important in a time of crisis like this. And so if you could just share with our audience, what are some of the type of communications that you issue? What are the things that you address with the customers? We put a strong emphasis in one-to-one communication with families after COVID started. And again, this was something that we had wanted to do for a long time, but had not yet. And it simply felt like now is exactly the right time to do so. So every new family that joins the Kome cooperative care platform gets an invitation to speak to a member of our team. And everyone who accepts that invitation, we do regular follow-ups with them so that we can hear truly what their childcare journey is like right now and help them in a customized way to fill those gaps. It not only helps that one individual family, but learning those experiences helps us to accommodate many of the families who may be struggling through the same sorts of issues. Uh, We also did increase our social media and blogging content. But I think the most important part is increasing that one-to-one touch point. And even when you're serving, we said we had something like 25,000 plus families right now on the WANA Family Network platforms. Um, Even at that sort of scale, finding the way to have that one-on-one touch point gives your company a human element that it may otherwise be lacking. And in times of crisis, understanding and sympathizing with that human element may be the most important thing that you do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, empathizing is, is certainly something that I'm hearing from a lot of the leaders um, when we talk about how they've been responding with COVID. I want to shift gears and talk about how you've responded to your employees or workers uh, with COVID. That's a great question. And that also was one of the hardest parts of navigating the early parts of the United States lockdown. So we have staff um, from coast to coast in the United States and also in the UK. So we were trying to run a company of all of these remote workers who were experiencing very different realities in terms of COVID, what their local governments were doing, what they were actually seeing in terms of um, case density in their areas. And there was no one size fits all approach, though as a company, in some ways, you do have to have some one size must fit all directives that the company needs to abide by. One of the things that we did early on was was require that all employees that were doing wanna work did so at home. Again, that was in honoring the shelter-in-place orders. 
Um, even when we had some staff that were in areas that were not yet under full lockdown orders, um, we did shut down our offices and ask people to move home. That was something we made as a unilateral decision. Uh, that was not popular across the entire company. And again, that was one of those where it was clear that some of the decisions that needed to be made were going to cause personal difficulties for some people. How did we as a company need to react to alleviate that? So we did a number of things. We sent everyone on the team a Facebook portal. If you guys haven't tried Facebook portal yet, this is a fantastic work tool because you can sit it up on the corner of your desk and it can just sit there on all day and you can pretend like you were actually in an office with your coworkers just like you used to be. And not only was it great to sit and pretend like we were working together in an office, which was very fun since we don't generally live in the same place anyway, but our kids loved it. So when I was getting a phone call, I didn't know if the phone call was coming from my chief developer or if the phone call was coming from my chief developer's seven-year-old son calling for my four-year-old daughter so that they could play Facebook games together. <laughs> and then I heard that they were using them to have family game nights where they would call the grandparents in on the portal. And so it ended up being a really wonderful tool for everyone to have to use. Um, we also made better use of our team counselor. We have one member of the team who's an advisor whose primary role on the team is to be the counselor. He's an executive coach by trade, and he provides personal and professional development uh, counseling for everyone. It doesn't matter if you are the social media intern or you are the CEO. He works with everybody. Um, and it's like this confidential bubble you can come into and say all of the things that are on your mind without having to have any of the answers right then. Mm -hmm. And yet somehow he manages to ask you the questions that get you to the answers by yeah. the end of your discussion with him. But it, allows, it allowed everyone to feel like they had an outlet for ways that they could say, these are the things I'm struggling with either professionally or personally, and this is how the company can help me resolve those. That was able to filter back up to me and allow me to make responsive decisions without anybody having to feel like they're going and complaining to their boss or something along those lines. Um, so his name is Rob. And now people say, oh, I need a Rob. And I would agree, everyone needs a Rob. <laughs> Taking care of the mental health of your people, there's nothing more important than that especially in times like this. Mm -hmm. And we saw that with everybody. Every member of the team had an entirely unique, highly personalized response to COVID. And you know that's gonna be the same whether it's a company or it's your own family members or it's your friends. Everyone is going through something very different and it's deeply, deeply personal. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner, you're used to judging people on their performance. Do they show up on time and how responsive are they and what's their work product like? And you know what, right now, for many months, none of us were on top of our game. We were just trying to get through the day and we intentionally hire parents at WANA. That's something that we focus very highly on. And now we had all of these parents with kids at home that couldn't work, mm -hmm. that were sad, that were angry. And we went quite a long time just having to have grace for ourselves, to have mercy on each other. And as a business owner, that can be hard because you see the bank account draining and you know that you have to get the best throughput from your team, but it's also a long game. And I would rather have somebody work part-time or less than part-time at their full pay for several months during a pandemic uh -huh. <laughs> and be fine with that and then have them come back at full strength when it's done mm -hmm. and have retained that talent, that loyalty, that energy, that skill, that knowledge. Um, to me, as a business owner, that is completely worth it. Mm -hmm. And I've been very fortunate that my team has shown the same grace and mercy towards me as I, as a parent, 
have struggled through what it means to be a CEO and to balance the needs of your family at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I am, I am grateful that those feelings have been reciprocated. So we talked about responding to COVID in terms of your customers and employees. I'd like to talk about how you responded with your investors. I'm sure that they, they, everyone got scared. What's going to happen? What's going to happen with my investment? How did you respond to them? And what did that result look like? I did not do as well with that as I would have liked to. I feel like I went into a hole for two months just trying to get through each day and really didn't communicate with anybody now that you ask this question. And no one bothered me about it, so maybe they were all doing the same thing. We have a, we have a very practical tool that everyone's going to be familiar with, but I, I, think, I do think we use it in a way that's slightly different. Um, our Slack channel. So we have maybe 10 people on staff. We have 160 people on our Slack channel, including all of our investors. And there's a couple of ways that we reach them there. We do all of our investor updates through our Slack, but we also have public channels that we just post our company updates and the things that we're doing. And it's a very quick and easy way for me to keep everybody within the WANA family network ecosystem updated at the same time. And so we made excellent use of Slack. And every time a new article came out or every time we knew had a new business plan come out, it would show up in the Slack channel and people were able to get at least some updates of what was going on through there. And within the last month, I think I've really caught up and have been able to provide my regular data reporting and my regular asks and my regular updates. Um, but no, they are inv- we have just such an incredible team of investors. Um, and I think they were just watching and observing and staying clear as much as possible, except for when we reached out um, and asked for help. I have to give an absolute shout out to Jumpstart in... Um, in Ohio, Heather Hall from Jumpstart has become a very important um, advisor of ours. And she was instrumental in working with us one-on-one to put together our now business-to-business company corporate strategy. Um, And it's an example of one of our investors coming forward and saying, hey, what do you guys need right now? So we could really use some experience in this. And she said, oh, yeah, I know how to do that and got right in the trenches in there with us and helped turn that into something that is a beautiful product I'm incredibly proud of. Um, Her and Amy and Lyndon, who I hope everyone gets the chance to meet, were really the ones that that got that set up. So um, we were in the middle, we were at the beginning of a raise when COVID started. And we talked in the podcast, if you guys get a chance to go back and listen to that, about how we often do a lot of family and friends raising. And I will say that during COVID, family and friends raising, not rapid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that, That became a very challenging means to fundraise because so many private investors really have, um, gotten very quiet during this time to make sure that they're protecting their personal finances through a very unsettled time. What has become a much more accessible field is the pre-seed market because I have seen a number of pre-seed investors who out of their commitment to the ecosystem have said it is so important for us to keep funding companies and so we will. And some of them have held new pitch competitions they've never done before. Some of them have committed to, we will invest in 10 companies in the next 30 days, which is an incredibly rapid sales cycle for a pre-seed fund. Um, And that's been an incredible and exciting thing to see happen. Like maybe sometimes there's this perception that, venture capital is this inaccessible big black box um, that is so different from the founder experience, but they're founders too. And they're founders in a position to be able to help other founders. And because founders love helping people, that's often why they start what they're doing. You see them coming out in force and, and really making that happen. So we are now pushing very hard on our pre-seed fund 
and are hoping to close that out within the next couple of months um, because it's, uh, it's, it's, that's shown up as an outstanding opportunity. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great to hear, Erin. Last question I wanna just cover with you. If you could quickly just mention one thing of how you grew as a leader, what did you learn during this time? The biggest, most valuable lesson learned, what would that be? I know you need like a bow. Yes, a bow. <laughs> what can we put? I know. I was like, yeah, okay. No, I know this part of the podcast. What? <laughs> what's the bow? Something that we've taken away, that I've taken away, that has been very important through this is nothing that we are doing now does not set us up for success going forward, and nothing we are doing now erases what we did up until this point. We have learned a huge amount in the last six months about how to interact with our users, how to interact with our employees, how to support mental health, how to have grace and mercy, how to make strong decisions and quick pivots and roll out new business opportunities and how to stay on top of those. That's incredible learning that we'll take out to the other side. Any growth that we're able to experience during this time, we'll take out to the other side new business development we've done, we take out to the other side. And then we just add back in everything that we had been doing before COVID started. And the hope and idea would be we come out the other side twice the company that we were when we started or more. <laughs> 10 times the company we were when yeah. we started. Yeah. Um, that there are a lot of things that each of us are losing during this time, both personally and professionally, that we cannot change, that we cannot get back, that we can't do anything about not being able to have. But there are also incredible things that we have as opportunities that we never would have had before. We have this market now where the need for support for working parents, the need for affordable childcare. There's no plausible deniability that those things are urgent needs. There is no plausible deniability that the working parent is not someone who deserves support in the workplace. We are finding a new sense of community where mutual dependency on one another is something that is valued, where we are learning that while self-sufficiency is a beautiful thing, being able to have reliance on those around you in a healthy way is equally beautiful. That's an incredible thing. And for us as a culture and for all of us as individuals, I hope that's something that sticks and that we can all keep. And we all come out 10 times the people that we were when we started. Looking for those silver linings in this time is, is so important. And just believing in that, the fight will make you stronger and come on ahead. And just have to look at this as, as an opportunity for the future. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for all of your great advice on how you're leading during these uncertain times. It's truly been inspirational. So thank you for sharing with us your story. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to share it. Next up, I have Afifa Siddiqui, who we did an episode with previously on her entrepreneurial journey, starting up three businesses in the talent management industry in Canada. Afifa is known to be an early adopter and ahead of the curve on future of work trends. So I brought her in to ask her about her leadership journey through COVID-19 times. Good to see you again. How are you? I'm good. Good to see you too. COVID has changed the way we work for better or worse. And Afifa, your firm is familiar with the area of remote work. And from your entrepreneurial perspective, how should businesses be thinking now in order to be effective in this new environment? Entrepreneurs will go where, you know, where the problems are. And, you know, for example, right now, everybody has to hire remote workers, people who are comfortable working like this, but also being efficient. So that means you also need now people with certain qualities. So 
it's no longer as much about the industry as it is about getting people with the right qualities to be able to be effective in these environments. And then, you know, how do you deal with, with, uh, um, with, with the management of all these people changing all your systems, those people too are going to now be in demand. And these are things and trends that, that I'm, you know, I'm starting to track because I think that uh, if I focus on that, you know, the recruiting end of our, of our practice will, will also pick up. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. So you mentioned there's kind of new qualities that businesses need to be aware of in candidates um, that will be working remotely. If there's entrepreneurs and executives on, on this, uh, who listen to the show and they were to hire for those qualities, what kind of qualities would you recommend they consider or look for? And we know obviously that's dependent on each specific business, but if you had to think more broadly about those qualities, what would those be? So I would put communications right at the top of that list. Uh, I would always almost say that it's the first and second quality to look for. And, and part of that is because now we have to communicate in so many different ways. Uh, right now we're on a video chat. It, we have that, that sort of similar experience to being in the same room. But we, I run my entire practice on audio. I don't even like having the video on uh, because it forces us to then communicate that much that much better. Um, another thing I'm, I'm seeing is written communications have to be uh, upgraded in, in so many cases. Um, so communication, both oral and written, in order to keep everybody on the same page. Organizational skills, that would be, you know, another really important thing. So managers uh, in, in at least in my businesses our managers literally define out a person's role so they actually know what a person's daily tasks are and then put metrics to how those are delivered and I'm not talking about um, you know like for example in a call center your, your metrics are you, you have this many calls you have this many you know uh, how you track your successes by setting what this many interviews and this many, you know, closing deals. I'm not necessarily talking, those are important too. I'm speaking more about here is in this month, we have to accomplish these three big things. So being able to manage and lay out at that level, and this is great for businesses. So I'm also going to predict something that businesses who handle their remote uh, well, their remote uh, uh, staff, they're probably going to also see an increase in productivity, increase in effectiveness, how they go to market, because they'll be forced to tighten up their metrics and then hire those people that can actually, you know, deliver those metrics. So that's why I talk about qualities. And, and it, it also, I'm hoping it will have an effect on, you know, these, uh, we're talking now in, in, it's not just in the U.S., it's, it's global, these systemic biases. This this hiring of, of, you know, people who look and sound just like me, it, it doesn't always help um, the success of a business because you narrow your, your hiring pools. Now you should literally hire on these qualities. I mean, some of, my, some of our best hires, like uh, um, I support a program um, for autistic people. And, you know, some of these people are brilliant. There's always a, a home. It's about finding the right task and then managing for it. I mean, they're not the best communicators, but they really do stay focused depending on, you know, the role you have to fill. Now, this is coming from all my learnings now from the recruiting in the HR space. Um, and one other thing that, that I think is, is happening, and this is great, HR has not historically had a seat at the C-suite or, or, you know, the, the board level. And I really have always advocated that that should change. So HR should always have a seat at the table. And now with so many people working remote, your HR people really have to help guide this whole shift. And they've been doing that. And they're also sort of, let, let's call them the unsung heroes. Um, I don't know if, you know, our HR will, will agree, but I see them as, as the unsung heroes of so many successes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's it's funny though because 
HR is is all about managing talent or people assets, um, however you want to look at it. Um, yeah. And those people are really the most important part of an organization. Yeah, you yeah. have IP um, and all that, all the intellectual property, and and you yeah. have maybe some cool products that are different. But it's really the people that are so critical to your business. And it's, yeah. it seems kind of funny that they wouldn't have had a seat at the table for so long, um, the HR folks who manage that talent. So that's interesting. I'm glad it's it's changed since then. So your third business, CPS, was seems like it was it's kind of ahead of the curve. Um, and when COVID hit, it's your business just started growing. Can you tell the audience kind of how you were able to foresee that uh, the future of work is going to be about remote working? So I've been uh, uh, looking at this for over a decade, remote work. And, you know, um, there's lots of examples, good examples of companies that have been doing this. They've been remote working, hiring contractors. You see examples of this in other countries. Uh, in the U.S. as well, Canada, um, we're not as far along, I think, as, say, Europe. And, you know, they, they're often trying things ahead of us. Uh, I'm not always sure why, because there's so much innovation capability here. In, in, you know, we're a lot more similar in Canada and the U.S. than, you know, we are to, to the rest of the planet. But remote working is something that's been around for decades and technology is what's been driving it it's our ability to be able to to work with each other you know like this collaborate in real time and before you know if we didn't have all these technologies companies even now would be trying to get back to their offices but because we have now the zooms the, the teams the google uh suites it allows us to actually make this shift faster. And again, I've been, I, I do uh, like to early adopt tech. And, you know, my, my team hates this because I'm always bringing in, hey, let's try this. Let's, let's use this. Um, when VoIP technology first came on, you know, I swear my, my team was ready to fire me because I literally got us moved on to VoIP, stupidly dropped our phone systems, and literally shut us down for two weeks because the tech didn't work. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was lucky that I was already the CEO because yeah. I would have lost my job. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they'll forgive that's, you. <laughs> that's, a, that's another example of, of failure, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But, but it's, it's, you know, being able to look at, at a trend and look far you know, this is something I do all the time. And, and I do believe it's, it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs do. Because if you can see something coming at you, you should be starting to solve it. Because that the problem I have, very likely other people have the same problem. Mm -hmm. So even when, when we build our, our tech, it's not always, yes, it's to solve our needs first, our, the needs of the, the people we serve, but these same problems exist, and they can be you know, used to help others. So, you know, our service right now is doing well because we're already working with remote workers. We were helping them get situated, like our workers are all Canadian, working for non-Canadian companies. And the reason that's, that, that right now it's, it's a, a big deal, like, uh, like for example, in the US, all the H-1B workers right now, they're either being expelled, they're not being renewed, but companies cannot just lose these people. They're knowledge workers that have to have a place to work from. And Canada is, is just the, the right choice. Mm -hmm. You know, they could go elsewhere or back to their countries, but, you know, that's not the answer. And, you know, we're in the same time zones. We have the same type of, of work culture. We communicate. We're very polite people. You know, so <laughs> Americans love working with Canadians. You guys are very polite. <laughs> yeah. We teach people how to line up properly. <laughs> so, so being in that, that uh, uh, you know, remote space helped us. And I was already g getting ready to have my own team be fully remote. 
they were very excited about it. But uh, literally, we went home on, on, on Thursday, and everybody was in full swing, you know, by Monday, because our government gave us the mandate that your office is closed, no one's going in. Right. We really had experience with it. And, but I'm also pleasantly surprised how quickly most companies and people have adapted. And, you know, because it's good. On the one hand, you do have to start setting boundaries and then you have to get space. I mean, we adjusted our policies and now we help other companies do that. Mm-hmm. We, we help them write their, their policies anew. How, how, do we, how do we manage all these people better and, and then keep our productivity up? Of course. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, there's so much more to it than just, okay, make sure you have internet connection and mm-hmm. log into zoom. There's really, you have to think about all the processes and policies that go yeah. along with their work to make them look at every single task and making sure, can they do this from home? And then what's the best way to do it from home? Is it like before or just do we need to change something or do we even need that task any? at all yeah (laughs) now that's a really interesting thing you just said because you know if you're in the office you're kind of stuck in a paradigm it's hard to look at changing something when you're actually in it it's like that saying you know and can't see the forest because you know in the trees that type of thing so i actually think this is a, a plus for businesses if they would actually look at it that way there are silver linings everywhere you look Yeah, there truly are. And I think you're right. Having that change of environment um, will help people give a fresh perspective and kind of help them, I guess, jump out of their shoes and look over to see to see what's really going on. And then you realize, oh, we didn't really need to be doing that. That was just a habit. (laughs) Yeah. Businesses really serve their end clients. You can we can be asking, what else do you guys need? How else can we be of service? And a lot of businesses are if they can make that shift you know, they can come out of this stronger. And I know I'm, I'm speaking in, in generalization here, but as an entrepreneur, that's how I'm choosing to look at it. Because I can now see, hey, I could add this revenue stream or that service or help this group so much better. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a blessing in some ways. Yeah, yeah, it is. is. But I do know other industries are definitely hurting. And, you know, it's also then incumbent on us to go and, and, you know, spend, (laughs) help, say, restaurants and such by by going out for meals, (laughs) bringing, (laughs) bringing takeout back. Yeah. I just want to ask if there's anything else that you would have to say about leading through uncertain times. Um, We talked about being able to look for different qualities and talent during this time, um, helping employees transition to remote work and, and changing those processes and policies to go along with it. But let's, I want to take a look at yourself in the role as CEO and how is it that you have pivoted as a leader um, in this new context of COVID? I, I feel that I'm, I'm doing a better job actually as a CEO in these, these times, because I, um, I actually, again, put my people first. What is it that they need? They need to not work 24-7. So, you know, setting up, you know, my, my uh, uh, an outline of here's what I expect from each team. I actually, as part of my, my new role, I was doing this already, but now I put so much more structure around myself because I want to role model it for them. So I start my day with, you know, and then because people know my schedule and they need something, they know how to get a hold of me and the, the channels to get a hold of me. So I'm actually finding I'm a lot more effective and I'm role modeling it. So then my team leads and, and you know, the other managers are actually also doing a better job. But I have that quality. And in that sense, you know, where, where I was saying, don't, I don't necessarily hire who looks and sounds like me if for that I do it's the quality that that should lead and if I can organize myself my call at, at uh, my first scrum eight then at 8 30 then at nine and then you know role model how do you keep these tight uh-huh. so as a CEO I actually am doing a lot of role modeling to make sure that that people lead their groups I'm also teaching them how to be more effective with their groups Mm -hmm. because communicating uh especially like you know the nuances of payroll data 
on the one hand, it's all very, you can share it in spreadsheets, but it's not, it's, it's payroll. So if somebody doesn't get paid properly or on time, there's mistakes, you know, that back office person is going to get inundated with very frustrated, irate, you know, cussy people. <laughs> and you can't blame them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, making sure that, that uh, A, I am that way myself, that we also then provide the training. And then making sure that nobody is overworked and overwhelmed because that was already happening too. You know, you can't, I can't let my team get so stressed that they're ineffective, that they're sick. And then, you know, right now I'm actually, I'm actually forcing people to, to take days off. So this is another problem that our clients also are, are getting notes from us. Hey, you know, you're halfway through the year, start planning those vacation times, even if they're all staycations, you know? Mm -hmm. So literally if they're not taking their time, I am assigning them days to take off because that's really important, right? It's, it's like we, we have to be mentally uh, and, and physically capable. Well, the Scandinavian countries, they, they've, they already had 12-week vacation. Like, it's unheard of in North America. What do you do with 12 weeks? <laughs> but they had these, and they, they found that, uh, um, you know, people weren't taking advantage because they had the freedom. They knew that they could. But there's also, before you take vacation, you need to make sure you're doing your job. So if you have the outline of, here's what I'm accountable for, what I'm responsible for, most people, I, I think, are, are responsible that way. And if they're not, they shouldn't be on my team. But I, I do believe that, that this is something that's long been coming. Just as remote work, uh, having that, that, people call it that work-life balance. I, I don't like that term uh -huh. because, yes, you have to have a balanced life, but, but it's, work is as important, you know, in, in life as, uh, it, you know, as, as your life. Uh-huh. I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> if I didn't have work, like I always see myself doing something, whether it's three hours a day or eight hours a day, you know, my mind needs to be busy. And most people I believe are like that. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Afifa, for coming back onto the pod and sharing with us your COVID leadership story. Thank you, Rebecca. And now let's move on to our third leader, Elena Agaragimova from Dubai. Elena is the managing partner of Bassern, and we had brought her on to an episode earlier to talk about the business and future of education. COVID-19 has certainly created a push in the professional development and reskilling space with workers now having more time to actually spend on these critical activities that are going to be helping shape our new future. Elena, I want to understand what kind of recommendations do you have on leading as a founder through COVID? And more specifically, what do your interactions with your employees look like? How are you managing that? And what do your interactions with your customers look like? I think the word I would use to describe the way we're, we're working with our team and, and clients is just empathy. Emphasizing to understand that everybody's dealing with this in a different way. Um, and it's easier said than done. I'll be honest, uh, between my business partner and I, we both, we have to make time to check in with ourselves and our team and to just kind of say, you know, have we talked to this person? How are they doing? Because we're constantly just going, going, going. And that's our nature. Other people that work with us, they don't necessarily function the same way. So I think it's just taking a moment and, and, and checking in with, with your team members, um, to understand that you know, everybody's dealing with different things and it's not only affect, it's not even just about the, you know, the, the, the sort of mental impact, but it's also about the fact that when we were on lockdown, right? So people working from home and it's not that it's a normal work from home in our company, you can work from anywhere you wish, right? But it's the fact that they had to then be working from home. Their kids are working from home as well. They were, sorry, they're studying from home, their spouses, there's a lot of pressure and, you know, some people perhaps are dealing with the health issues as well though there are loved ones. So I think just emphasizing with, with our team, number one, with our clients, understanding that it's very uncertain times. I mean, layoffs are happening right and left, um, being there to sort of support them. So, we, you know, in many cases, we're just offering our support. We're offering our services. We say, listen, let's discuss business later. How can we support you in this time? 
this is the time to add value. This is not the time to, to, to look at, you know, kind of benefiting from the situation. I mean, there, there are opportunities, don't get me wrong, but again, emphasizing with people and understanding, um, you know, how can you best support them now and, and, then, and then grow, you know, grow through this together and to come out in a, in a better place altogether. That seems like a really great way, Elena, to kind of lead through COVID is just using empathy and in, in diving into that part of ourselves as a human to interact with our customers and employees, just checking in on everyone to make sure that everyone's doing okay and asking how you can support. It seems like a, a really great approach to be leading during these uncertain times while everyone's kind of scrambling and figuring out what, what happens next. Um, and yeah, just kind of sticking together like elbow to elbow is, is important um, because yeah, when we stick together, we will get through it stronger. Thank you so much, Elena, for coming back onto the pod and sharing with us how you're leading through COVID. Thank you for having me. Moving on to our last leader, we learned so much from talking to Sean Bashelia in one of our previous episodes about innovation and his playbook on business that we wanted to pick his brain on how he is leading during the 2020 pandemic and his perspective on the future of work. As a quick refresher, Sean is currently heading Curion as CEO, a consumer goods testing firm. But he is also an entrepreneur that has been full circle, founding and exiting for businesses. Welcome back, Sean. As I understand it, you sit on a few advisory boards. How are you advising your startups through COVID-19 times and how do you help them prepare for uncertainty? Yeah, it's a great question. Certainly there's there's not been times like this. And it's not only just the boards I sit on, it's my own company. And really, you know, my view is the the playbook, because it's so uncertain, um, you know, times, uh, it's limited and you can't rely solely on that because, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, we've never been through this probably as a society or those that have are not living right now. So um, I, I just a few basic tenets. One is you have to be open-minded. You don't know where the solutions are coming from. You don't know for your own business, not, not for the world, but for your own business. Two, you have to be compassionate for your employees. Uh, they're struggling and you have to make sure that you have that compassion and empathy for them. Three, you know, if you are doing well, you know, our view is give back. There's 30 some million Americans unemployed. Um, we never thought we'd see this. For instance, you know, we give back 1% of our sales uh, every month to Feed America. And we also make a $25 donation to anybody that uh, attends our webinar. Um, but, you know, it, this is the time, I think, for basics of leadership, but it's also basics of being humble and humility of that you're going to have to learn and you have to be open-minded because uh, you can't be scared. You can't be like worried and anxiety ridden, but you don't know where your business is going to go. And it's the last point we talked about a little bit of all times to work on your business versus in your business. Now is the time because you have to get ready for the future, you know, and, and different ideas and different innovation. In times like these, just staying in touch with that human side, really putting yourself in the shoes of your employees, how they're feeling, of your customers and those needs uh, is, is really important. And, and being humble and having that humility really, really helps with that. Um, and if I can add gratefulness as well, um, helps keep that, that mindset positive and open so that you are able to, to, to give back. I just want to take a step out of the episode for a moment and share an afterthought I had after we had recorded this podcast. I think Sean was right in that managing the chaos by coming back to the cornerstones of leadership seems like a great starting point. And there's four key ways in which you can do that. And Sean will share a story in a moment that demonstrates these. But first, building character You can do this by showing your humility and compassion. Secondly, listening and building a new vision that represents your values and principles. Third, building trust by showing your integrity. And lastly, being open-minded and courageous enough to be innovative and take risks. And then learning from your failures and moving forward. Now back to the episode. 
So, you know, speaking of courage or leadership and being open-minded, um, just a real quick story. We thought why and trying to figure out why our clients weren't continuing with product testing. We thought it was legal. We thought it, they were concerned about the consumers. We thought that the product wasn't available in the plants. So we, we came up with all these answers. We came up with knocking down all the barriers and getting everybody comfortable. And it wasn't until we stopped and listened to our clients and our customer counsel that we found the real reason. What they were concerned about was none of those as much. What they were concerned about was validity of the research. If you're bringing people in to test food during a COVID pandemic, what's their frame of mind to give you real input? What's the frame of mind to say that that research is valid? And if you can help us solve that, carry on, we can get back to work. We can get back into testing. We didn't know that. Uh, we, we, we maybe weren't listening well, and we started listening, and we started drawing it out, and uh, we made some changes. So we've been very, uh, this has happened in the last 48 hours. It's been like really effective to kind of move that pendulum back to getting our facilities and our uh, people uh, reopened. Yeah, definitely in these times of uncertainty, um, it's it feels like it would be so easy to withdraw, but as you just as you just proven, and when you put yourself out there and just start navigating the space, so what if you if you don't know, you know where the next stepping stone is, so to speak, um, just to not be afraid, be bold, and go following those what we talked about earlier the changing consumers just following those consumers they'll lead you they'll lead the way into into that next space that you need to be in um i think that's a really great piece of advice for handling this situation um and another thing we're seeing too with this COVID 19 times is a lot more of the remote working people are learning to work in a different way, communicating differently, collaborating differently. And I just want to kind of dive into how you envision this uh, future of work. Where after COVID-19, where do you think this is all going to go in terms of the way that we work in our lifestyle, Sean? Great question. It's on top of, I think, everybody's mind. So I think to break it down uh, first uh, in attitudinal uh, behavior, um, and, and what I mean by that is the first thing you do is um, make sure everybody's safe, right? You have to create an environment that they feel safe coming back to. They feel it's the protocols, it's clean. They're not going to get affected. You know, there's all these things that we're all going through as businesses to bring the staff back together. Um, but you have to make them feel safe. You can't force them to come back. Um, I do hope the government or the states pass something where they, they indemnify the companies because it's really hard to prove where you might get this virus. So let's say you get everybody, you know, safe around that. The, the next question is um, some are going to come back and sometimes we may not be coming back and working together. The problem there isn't, yes, we all know not being face to face, the collaboration, there's lots of tools around that. We all can adapt. What I think the challenge is for companies is to find that, uh, outlet and harness ingenuity. Like to me, that's the fear of being very virtual. Yeah, we can have great video chats and Zoom and so forth, but how do you, and we can still have collaboration, don't get me wrong, but the ingenuity where that idea comes from, um, I think harnessing that is gonna be really important in the future. And I think we need to figure that out. And that, I think that's gonna be the biggest challenge um, uh, that, that I think companies are gonna face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone's navigating this together, and I, I think that taking on that entrepreneurial mindset of don't be afraid to fail and then fail fast, finding that ingenuity. So what if you fail, but as long as, as, long as you latch on, you're going to be one step closer even after a fail or two. To, to where you need to be. Well, thanks so much, Sean, for coming back onto the pod and sharing with us how you're moving your business ahead during these uncertain times. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot on this episode today. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining our COVID episode on leading through uncertain times. Through these four leaders, I hope you found inspiration on how you can lead forward this new future. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to download the next episode so you can listen to it on your next commute or trip. 
You can access more great insights and other goodies on our website at launchitspot.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there, which will notify you when we post the new goods. And of course, we always appreciate shares and likes by our listeners. Did you know that you can be featured on Launch? We are always looking for interesting people who are striving to become better leaders as well as subject matter experts in any of our content categories listed in our nav bar. Believe it or not, your story can inspire so many people. All you have to do is quickly apply on our website and we'll be in touch. Now, how are you going to lead the world?